what is design? Design, we know, has a design problem. A lot of folks don't know what design is. They don't know who is succeeding that looks like them. They don't know the salary levels. Right. And they also don't know where to start. Right. So what I would love for mom and dad, I want to be a designer to do is to address all of those, meaning here's what design is. Here's how design shows up in your life. The Netflix app, et cetera, et cetera. Here are POC that look like you and have come from a similar background as you, the reader, that are thriving in the industry. Hello, and welcome to Design Adjacent, the podcast that talks about the nexus of design, both today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Vinny F. Johnson. We all know that the price of education is expensive, but yet the true cost of education is invaluable. It's often our entry point to our profession, to a better life, to a way of fulfilling our dreams, providing for our family and ourselves, and creating identity. Education is increasingly valuable. But there's a challenge. I'm excited to share with you our guest today is Ratish Gupta. He is the founder of The Useful School, the world's first pay-what-you-can online design school principally for people of color. Yes, a pay-what-you-can online school of design. Ratish specializes in product design, product development, branding, typography, and growth analytics. And he's collaborated and worked with many leading agencies and companies over his career. And his work about Useful School has been featured in Adweek, our very own AIGA Ion Design, Wallpaper, Print, Brand New, and several other leading industry magazines. He's been a volunteer for We Are the Black Designers, and he served in Senior Director of Product Venture Roles at Finney's Companies. So today, I'd like to welcome to our podcast, none other than Ratish Gupta. Thank you for joining me, good sir. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. It's incredible. I mean, we first connected when you were sharing, I have this idea and I have this concept with the Useful School. And it's really hit a positive note. Like it's really hard to even describe the way the outpouring has been for this note of how do we create a space that re-envisions design education. And, you know, in, in thinking about this and you tackle so many things with it, the content, what's being taught, the mode in which the way it's being taught and the price barrier. What really brought you to this idea? So when I was researching this idea, just broad strokes. Right. I came across the AIGA Google census data that was published a few years ago. And at the time, the website allowed me to download the Excel file mm -hmm. um, and actually look through the research myself. And what I noticed after looking at the data and creating my own reports based on that using pivot tables and all these V lookups and all these like random things that I learned being an economics major, I found that there was really interesting data around the struggles that POC are having. Right. I noticed that there was a sharp, distinct lack of POC that were entering the industry. And I also noticed that there is a high degree of POC compared to non-POC leaving the industry once they actually get into it. Mm. And with that data, I presented it 
I presented it at the brand new conference in Las Vegas in 2019, which was part of me presenting a rebrand that I worked on. And I was nervous. I was nervous about sharing that data because typically at conferences, you hear all the good things. Here's a great thing that I worked on and let's talk about how I got to it. But typically, you don't hear about issues, challenges, and ways to solve these types of deep-seated problems at conferences. So I was very nervous to present it. When I presented the work, I felt a huge weight off my shoulder and I felt good about it. I felt good about sharing this data. I felt good about supporting folks that needed to be supported. And it was really validated right afterwards. A person by the name of Forrest Young, who at the time was the chief creative officer of Wolf Allens, he came up to me after the speech and said, you know what? I loved what you said, but I'm going to make, I have a challenge for you. Do something about it. I would love for you to figure out a way to address some of the issues that you mentioned. And I said, you know what, Forrest, you got it. Look out for an email from me in the next month or two with a full business plan. And in addition to that validation, I also felt my own struggles kind of come out. I felt the truth of the fact that my parents didn't allow me to do a design major. I felt also other people after my speech, they came up to me, both POC and non-POC came up to me and said, thank you so much for sharing this info. What's on your mind? Like, how can I help? And so all of these factors, both my personal experiences as well as validation from others on all different kind of levels within the industry, both beginners and super, super advanced experts like Forrest, they really encouraged me to pursue something like this. What was the moment that you realized that useful school would be that answer doing something about it. You know, to go, to go from the, the presentation, to go from first seeing the data, right? And we have that moment of insight and then presenting it and then moving from this challenge. Forrest, who's a good friend of AIGA, a former board member and good friend. So he puts the challenge out there, which I can hear it in his voice to do about it. When do you turn that corner and you realize that useful school is the answer? So there's two moments where I realized that this thing is real. Mm -hmm. Um, I put together a business model. I used a template, very well-known template, the business model canvas, which forced me to think about revenue, forced me to think about the population, forced me to think about the various activities I needed to take to actually make this thing a real thing. When I started floating that around to various folks, I was very encouraged by, by the feedback. Right. The second moment, and this was probably the one that really, really started feeling really real, is okay. when I actually announced it on LinkedIn. So I announced on LinkedIn in early December, honestly, not having everything figured out. Right. I didn't necessarily have all my ducks in a row, but I, I put it on myself to say, you know what? Early December or bust. Just like put something out there okay. and let's figure it out. So what I did was over the, the many months preceding that, I built out the landing page. I started thinking about the branding. I started being like, oh, how cool would it be to use only fonts from POC? Then I dug for hundreds of hours finding POC type designers. Okay. And I started learning about how I can bring the stories of the various type designers and their background into the brand. I started thinking about what the brand should be just in general. I started thinking about who the 
partners I should bring aboard and, and all of that. And that's when it felt really real. When mm -hmm. I announced it on LinkedIn, I put myself out there. I put the idea out in the world. I threw that energy out in the world. And within the first 24 hours, we essentially filled our first cohort. Now, so, we kept the application open right. through early January for this first cohort, but that's when it felt really real. When I saw an outpouring of support on the comments, likes and shares went kind of viral on LinkedIn, and then also got a really amazing set of soon-to-be and current designers as part of the first class. That's when it felt really, really beautiful. I saw the outpouring within the spreadsheet, the application that they're filling out, the spreadsheet that I was looking at on the back end, how other institutions have failed them why useful school is perfect for them. The fact that a lack of a price barrier is now allowing them to pursue design right. in an exciting way. All of these types of things made it feel really real. What was the most surprising thing for you? You launch, right? You step out and decide you're going to launch the program. When you looked at the response of those coming in, especially new entrants, what surprised you in terms of their receptivity to the program? There's a good number of things that surprise me. I would say number one is how powerful sharing ideas is without having everything figured out. I found that a lot of POC have a difficult time putting themselves out there, even if their work isn't completely finished or isn't quote unquote perfect, whatever that term means. And I was very surprised by the outpouring of support from the students, even though not everything was completely visible, meaning we did not publicly share who the secret guests would be. Like we did not have a full on landing page that outlined in very, very detail, like what they could look forward to. We had like very key deliverables that they would be getting. Right. We had very key lessons that they would learn. But besides that, we had we kept a lot of a lot of it kind of shrouded in mystery on purpose. Okay. And the second thing that surprised me was that a lot of would-be designers and current designers who want to get promoted are hyper aware. I mm. knew that that was the case, but to see it actually in like words in the in their applications was something that I would did not expect. Okay. So, for example, what we're asking applicants to submit is not only their work and and answering a bunch of questions, but one question specifically is, okay, out of the curriculum that you've seen on our website, what are additional things that you want to learn? Mm -hmm. And so literally I'm using the product design and user process, a right. user research process to actually improve the product itself. And typically students don't have that relationship with right. an online education platform, much less a university where they actually actively feel part of the actual building of the thing rather than just being handed a syllabus. And that's what you're going to learn. Like they're an active participant in their actual things that they're learning. And that was a really surprising thing to me to actually put myself out there and say, you know what? We don't have everything figured out help us figure it out was a super empowering thing for both the students as well as the speakers, as well as myself. So as you work through, I think you're about eight or so weeks through on this, this first cohort that you come through, are you seeing any similarities between the new entrant cohort and the advanced cohort? Are you seeing any similarities in the stories and experience? Yes and no. 
Okay. So the beginner students are looking to get their first product design or product design adjacent role. Right. The advanced students are all mid-level to senior level product designers looking to get promoted. Okay. Looking to get a raise. So the fact that all the students are POC allows for a lot of similar conversations to happen. Just being a POC, whether you're the only POC or one of only a few at organizations, those conversations are similar. But the experiences specifically that beginner students are having versus advanced students are having oftentimes are pretty dissimilar. So, for example, a student last week actually wanted to spend some time during the class to talk about an issue that they were having with a white engineer who had more power in terms of the corporate hierarchy than than them. And they wanted to talk through how they handled the situation, what the situation was, and gather feedback from the rest of the, the crew within the class, as well as me and the guest speakers to figure out what are additional things they could have done to address the problem. These types of experiences are really important to talk about, especially for advanced designers, because number one, it's very helpful. But number two is it takes what Harvard Business School and all these other places do where they do like a quote unquote case study. But instead of just talking about a case study as just like this ephemeral thing that doesn't necessarily apply to your real life, we're talking about real life issues that POC are having. Contrary, we're talking about beginner students they are looking to really refine their craft and learn Figma and like learn how to present their portfolios in a very confident way. And yes, confidence, uh, lack of confidence or wanting to build confidence is a string that I see that's similar across both beginner students and advanced students, but it shows up and the types of conversations that we have are handled very differently. Right. So are you seeing in terms of organizational maturity, are you seeing that you're, that folks are new to the professional space or just new to the practice of design? Yes and yes. Okay. So they are new in both of those ways. There are some folks who have been business designers right. or have or studying graphic design or have never really thought about themselves as product designers just generally and they want to they want to explore a product design path. And then there's a good number of them who have explored a product design path, but they reached or hit some sort of wall. And this wall could be related to lack of mentorship. Right. This wall could be lack of not necessarily knowing what is the right thing to do and how to know when, what it's right, what's right and what's wrong. But also, and this is like why this is very important for me to do live classes or at least start with live classes is a lot of folks really need a live experience. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. curricula that is self-paced, oftentimes those appeal to folks that are already pretty motivated and right. are not neurodivergent or experience a lack of confidence. These are folks that are typically from based on various research, self-paced classes where you could like watch a set of videos or watch a set or read a set of material is typically more helpful to folks within that kind of population. And the live context is really important. So not only are we kind of embracing and being able to talk about issues that we're having, but they also get a really strong sense and vibe 
right. of being able to work together, provide live feedback to each other and do literally things that they're going to have to do on a day-to-day basis, provide feedback, hear feedback, provide helpful resources to other people, et cetera, et cetera. It's really interesting. And I wanted us to spend some time in kind of thinking of how you've layered this program and approach and you have these parallel paths that are really taking people from the spaces, reinforcing professional craft, why you're designing what way you are, building your ability to present your ideas, defend your ideas and share in space. And it's really powerful in kind of the first moment. I'm going to summon a little bit of our friend Forrest and ask you for your next challenge. So now that you've built this base, the foundation for the useful school, what next? I know this speaks to some of the data you understood, but what's next? So I do want to say radical changes require radical changes. Right. And within what the future holds, I would like to think have listeners think about that statement. Radical change require requires radical changes. There are a few things that I'm looking to do that are particularly exciting. Number one is I am looking to build an online resource that is catered towards high schoolers or those of a high school age, as well as their financial supporters who typically are parents. And I'm looking to create an online resource called Mom and Dad, I Want to Be a Designer. Okay. And what this online tool is, is it's essentially a brochure for the design industry. It helps both students like would-be designers as well as their parents understand, number one, what is design? Design, we know, has a design problem. A lot of folks don't know what design is. They don't know who is succeeding that looks like them. They don't know the salary levels. Right. And they also don't know where to start. Right. So what I would love for mom and dad, I want to be a designer to do is to address all of those, meaning here's what design is, here's how design shows up in your life, the Netflix app, et cetera, et cetera. Here are POC that look like you and have come from a similar background as you, the reader, that are thriving in the industry. Number three is looking at here are the different types of design and based on your personality, background, et cetera, et cetera, where you might fit in best. And then also looking at salaries. Let's talk about the fact that designers can, within a few years, actually make a six-figure income, right? And let's let's right. t- let's put that on the table. Let's make that more transparent. And then the lastly is, where do I start? All right, well, you can learn useful school. You can learn at et cetera, et cetera. So I'm really excited to launch this website resource by the end of the year. Yeah. I think this is going to be something that's going to be incredibly helpful, useful, <laughs> to use the brand language. Right, right. I think it's going to be incredibly useful to helping really shift our paradigms and how we think about the work, how we think about working with populations that need it. And oftentimes those are populations who know nothing about design or who have never considered design. There are other things that I'm looking to do that I'm incredibly excited about. I've heard a lot of folks want to be part of a useful school. They're totally qualified. It makes so much sense for them, but due to the live model that we've created, they're looking to actually embrace some of the footage mm-hmm. and have that on their own time. So what I'm looking to do is create some sort of pay what you can masterclass style video series 
for folks who are not able to take the class live, but have time where they can actually, after watching the material, congregate with other students who are doing something similar to keep everyone held accountable. So this is kind of a blend between self-paced and the live curriculum that I'm incredibly excited about. And this is going to help not only grow the, the user base and the students and grow the sponsorships and everything across really the world. Cause right now we're really only super serving the United States, but this will right. allow it to grow a global footprint and also start to think about what other classes I want to offer. So given these models and this monumental shift that we're seeing within online education, I am really excited about exploring other classes. So I'm happy to announce that we are going to be launching branding classes. We also have hundreds of applicants to take a financial wellness class. Okay. And I'm also particularly interested in doing other lifestyle classes like pay what you can cooking class where based on your income level or based on like the money that you have in your pocket in your bank account, what recipes are good for you based on your time, based on all these things. Like I'm really excited about like starting to think about all these other ways to utilize the model that's being proven to work. And I'm really excited to also announce that the class isn't even done. Just like you said, we already have one student, Victor, who got a 17% salary increase. We also have Tamika Henry, who just landed their first product design role full-time at Spotify. We have students who are already thriving and they are taking some of the curriculum and utilizing it, being empowered to use utilize in their own in their own means and they're absolutely killing it. So I'm really excited to just continue to help support the students in ways that are that are meant for them. That means continue to do product design classes, but really exploring everything else that I just mentioned. It's really refreshing and really exciting. I'm going to go back a beat to one of the first things you talked about to just offer our support in there. The idea of exposing the opportunity of design as a profession to students and to the parents in space in there is something that's near and dear to me, but also to us at AIGA. So would love to be able to partner with you on that. Um, with our new extended research that we're doing, our design POV, we're actually been asking some of those questions and pulling data in there on what the salary looks like, what is career arcs, what are some of the spaces and highlighting people of color in the space. It's to be a nice support of what you're, what you're doing and thinking about there. So I wanted to make sure that you knew you have my support there as well. Really interesting to, to think about, you know, as you've built this out, and kind of filling in the need, it has been kind of centered to kind of East Coast time zone US. But seeing that the need becomes broader. You now we see about 15 to 20% of our virtual programming are students from all across the globe who are coming in who may not be isolated in one space. They may be out of the US the week number one, inside the US week number three, and back and forth. We're seeing a lot of a lot of movement. Do you see opportunities for multiple cohorts? if you will, to give you some of that same, I, I know that, you know, one of the heart of this has been the live experience, kind of building a community connection. Could you see there being an East Coast cohort, a central time cohort, West Coast and so forth, so people can, they don't have to take the choice, they can still get that experience if the mass is there, you know, if you have enough. 100%. So I do want to give a shout out to one school, which is part of the One Club for Creativity, led by Oriel Davis Lyons, which helps bring black creatives into the advertising industry. And what they've done is they've created multiple cohorts across multiple locations, a West Coast, 
as well as East Coast, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm looking to definitely explore that. And I also want to mention and underline something that you said earlier about the pay structure and how the business model of useful school works, because it kind of is related to to some of the stuff we just talked about. Right. Number one is that it's truly pay what you can. That means no loans. That means no income share agreements where you pay zero dollars up front and then you owe a percentage of your income in the future. None of that. And the way that has worked for useful schools so far is that we are supported by incredible sponsors and partners. And we also have a good number of individual monetary like Patreon style contributors. And then of course, the last way useful school generates uh, monetary capital is from the students themselves. So what we're having here is not just relying on any given stakeholder to provide capital. We're relying and dissipating the resourcing across multiple populations. Again, the companies, individuals who are not able to take the class for whatever reason and want to contribute, as well as the students themselves. Now, what's interesting about the companies and the contributors is a lot of them don't necessarily expect anything in return. The idea that they love the model and they want to provide more exposure to POC is oftentimes more than enough. But of course, we have other benefits, including giving the sponsors and partners kind of all the portfolios. And there's marketing that we do together. There's curriculum, co-curriculum that we create together. There's all these amazing, beautiful things. But what I've heard is one of the top reasons to support is because it's the right thing to do. And so that's the kind of rational and emotional equity within that is something that I would love to see more educational institutions embrace. And what that I've seen do, mm-hmm. because I see in the applications, is it allows students who are not able to pay right. 20 grand, 140 grand at a four-year university, et cetera, et cetera, to actually think or rethink about entering design. And so we have a lot of folks who otherwise would not have gotten into design right. to actually take the program and say, you know what? I am either not able to pay at all, or here is some money based on my salary that I'm able to afford and have it being empowered to give and choose the price is something that's really, really interesting. And I would love for more institutions to, to learn from that and take a learning and takeaway from, from that, if you're listening, to consider doing that, whether it's your own organization or another organization that you think is inequitable monetarily. You know, as you were talking, we're sitting here trying to pull up what the average fee is for an undergraduate education and a design degree, you know, and there, there's lots of different ways to look at that. If it's a pure design school versus a liberal arts college and the spaces that go into it, when you think about this and kind of a barrier to entry, are you noticing that those who are coming to useful school, are they first or latter generation college students? I asked that question because, you know, when we talk, I remember as an undergrad as well, and being a student of color and wanting to go into architecture and immediately noticing everyone who was in the class with me was third generation, not only college, but third generation architecture. And there was kind of a a generational gap that was there along with, you know, there weren't architects who I knew to the left or right of me and my community and my background or my family knew, but you were in a class with students who we're kind of in this abundance of, of representative examples. I'm just wondering, as we think about this as a school, 
the considerations in your first generation of going into a college program or a discipline, there are some differences in being a second or third generation. Still challenges, but I'm just wondering the composition. Anecdotally, it is a good mix, but a lot of what we're seeing and a lot of the folks that we took on for our first cohort are first generation right. citizens or and or first generation college graduates. And we are not talking here about graduates who have gone to Harvard or RISD or something like that, even though there are a couple of students that are that are within that. The vast majority of them have gone to if they have gone to college are going to some of the more lesser known schools. And I am excited by the fact that as we continue to grow, that we are going to be able to work with populations that are current college students as well as would-be college students, as well as folks that are actually much older, Mm -hmm. meaning I would like more population to continue applying that are mothers and they have to to balance. And they feel like a four-year university is difficult to balance everything that comes along with being a mother. I'm excited by the fact that our model can appeal and, and work around folks' schedule. And I think the kind of on-demand plus meeting is going to be a perfect way to kind of address some of the inequities that we're seeing within the design education, particularly around being a mother or somebody who's a lot older or has some other instance where that's preventing them from from pursuing a, a design right. education in a serious way. And, you know, we often in our conversations will refer to design as being a passion. Right. And something that we're excited about. I'm seeing and to share with you what we're seeing in the marketplace over the last two years of the pandemic are people taking another stock of their professional career, the professional identity. And we're seeing older students come into design because it's what they always wanted to do. It was the passion that they had, but the passion didn't meet with the pragmatism of their moment and kind of finding the way where useful school is really helpful in that. And this idea that here's a pragmatic solution that allows you to apply to your passion. 100%. We've already gotten a few hundred applicants for our graphic design classes and branding classes, as well as our future product design classes. And the curriculum is not going to be about creating a piece of work that has zero implications business-wise. We're not looking to really teach art. We are more right now focused on design that makes a real impact in terms of however you define that. And I like to say in a lot of POC cultures is that design is considered a hobby. People don't know that you can make money in it. People don't know that they can make impact. And the idea that designers, you start having these industries start to populate within product design. There's even growth product design, meaning you're actually working with a team to actually prove that the changes that you made through A-B testing and these various things are increasing the conversion rate, which right. means more revenue for the company, et cetera. Like that's what I did at Peplate, where we just simply changed copy on one button and that improved our sales by 327%. Right. And so for a designer to be able to say, not only am I creating something that looks awesome, but I'm also being able to provide for my family being able to justify a raise because you're part of that increase in sales, et cetera, et cetera, is something I'm really excited to see more folks consider doing. 
So not just considering art, but considering the business of design and how much impact designers can make. Now, I spent a lot of time defining impact as monetary impact, but there's also a lot of impact that you could make in terms of social well-being, right. capital, et cetera, et cetera. But that's just one example that I wanted to share. So in the recent years, you've had this capacity to really be out in front in conversations about industry and education and how I move forward. I asked this one question because I know people will come to you for advice. So I asked you to look back to the college junior version of yourself. And what advice would you give to someone today who is making their way and looking at career opportunities? What advice would you give? I could go on and on about this. So tell yeah. me when to shut up. <laughs> no, drop the so, knowledge, my friend. Drop the knowledge. There's a, there are a couple of things that I would recommend baby Ratish did. Right. Number one is find a coach. I'm not talking about finding a mentor mm -hmm. that you are just passers by. I'm talking about a coach, somebody who will put together a curriculum for you that will say, okay, based on the fact that you want to find a job in two years and you've just started your junior year and you have about a year and a half or two years to go before you're a full-timer, we're going to work backwards to get, and I'm going to give you homework. I'm going to give you milestones to hit in your design education that most likely, let's be honest, the college or university that, that you're going to is probably not going to teach. Mm -hmm. So find a coach and know that there's a difference between coaching and mentorship. Coaching, actually people who are going to be working with you, putting together a curriculum that you can, that you can actually leverage is really important. And also find a coach who's eventually going to be a sponsor for you. Find a coach who works or has worked at a company that you really love. And once you do what the coach recommends that you do, you can bet that that person is going to sponsor you and advocate for you to get hired there because they've seen you work with, they've seen that you've worked with them for two years and they know what you're capable of. So you have to find not just a mentor, you need to find a coach, you need to find a sponsor. Number two, in order to figure out what companies or organizations you want to be part of after you graduate, you really have to figure out your own personal design ethics. You need to figure out your personal story. You need to work through in your head and be able to articulate the couple of things that matter to you. Because when you're presented with multiple job offers, you want to be able to look back on those principles and say, you know what? My principles, for example, for me are related to social impact and they're related to creative opportunity. And so if there is not a social impact or a creative opportunity within these two job offers, then I will decline one or multiple of them. So it's really important to figure out what kind of work you want to be generating and creating and working backwards with your coach to figure out what job opportunities there are out there. The third thing I would recommend is take your favorite app and redesign it from scratch in Figma. I know that sounds scary, <laughs> but you need to, as a designer, you need to start just getting into the weeds, getting your hands dirty. You need to like pick an app, let's say it's Spotify, Netflix, Duolingo, whatever it might be, and straight up look at the home feed, take some screenshots on your phone, put those into Figma, and literally trace it. Like try to match the typography, the letting, the kerning, the tracking on each element. That will help you start to understand Right. Is this a career path that I really love? Is this something that I really love doing? Now, of course, you have to separate 
you struggling a little bit because of course there's going to be a struggle. But I love redesigning apps, especially when I was younger. Like I, for example, redesigned and built the NPR app as part of my portfolio. And that's when I really realized that I love product design. Right. And then not only do you want to redesign the, the app, like for example, again, Spotify home feed as an example, you then want to make a small tweak to it. Meaning you want to like put a little accoutrement right. onto that newsfeed. So for example, if, if there's a feature that you've always wanted Spotify to have, you should think about, can you build that on Figma? And guess what? Once you make that small tweak, that basically is the architecture for your case study. That's mm-hmm. basically an architecture for something that you're, you're going to need to show employers anyways. So you're actually feeding two birds with one scone there. You know what I mean? And then the last thing, of course, is if be self-aware, like find an educational curriculum that works for you. Sponsorship and coaching might not necessarily work for you. Sometimes you might need something super, super structured. So find those outlets. And if you need help finding an outlet, whether it's useful school related or not, just hit me up at Ratisha at Useful School. I am more than happy to help you figure out your personal story and help you and coach you through exactly what I'm talking about. So I'll say this, being of service, serving some purpose, advantageous, helpful, or being of good effect. That's the dictionary definition of useful. Ritish, thank you for joining us today and sharing your insight, your passion, the pragmatic way that you've accepted the challenge to make education better for us all. I appreciate having you here, my brother, and appreciate watching and watching you build and consider us as partners and friends to help you keep moving this forward. The work that you're doing as we've talked about this isn't always useful. So thank you for joining me for this episode of Design Adjacent, our podcast where we look at the nexus of design both today and tomorrow. Thank you for joining us. Ritish, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. If you have any questions, comments, please email me at ratish at usefulschool.com if you'd like to apply or want to become a partner or sponsor. I'm here for you. Thank you. Show notes for this episode will be available on AIGA.org. Please subscribe to our show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. AIGA's Design Adjacent Podcasts and its contents are the copyright of AIGA, the Professional Association for Design. All rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without AIGA's express written permission. My name is Li Shan Huang. Until next time.